Hey, this is Brady Becker. And I'm Martin Walker. And this is True Enough, a podcast about True Detective Season 2. We're back for a fourth installment here, true enough. Um, just want to take a quick moment to thank all you listeners out there. Our ratings oh. are shooting through the roofs. Through the roof. Oh, <laughs> man. Just kidding. Um, we actually... <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> what? <laughs> this thing's like only on SoundCloud. We've been trying to get an iTunes. We, we don't have a ton of listeners out there. Just quite yet. That we doesn't mean we're growing. We don't have a technical skill set either. Not helping very much. Yeah, we're in... Um, we're in, a, we're in a phase of transition, if you will. We had a pretty heated call. conversation with our producer. Yeah, we're, we're getting on our case. We're going to be, we're, we're going to reach a, a vast audience here shortly, we assume. We assume. <laughs> um, and other things, though, we're both uh, on a testosterone high because we just both pumped some mad weights, so we're both feeling pretty good, you could say. Folks, let me tell you something. There's nothing more that I love in this world than a good pump. And something else... Drink your goddamn protein after a lift, folks. Jeez, no beer this week. We're, we're chugging protein as we speak. Oh, man. So pardon us if this, this episode gets a little aggressive, okay? Because we're feeling pretty hyped right now. Yeah, quick clarification. Um, I'm 6'3", and I weigh 150 pounds. That's uh, not true. Martin's actually huge. You can't see him through this microphone. He's, he's massive. His biceps are bulging out of his shirt right now. Wears nothing but deep V's. Love. That's true. I do love it. And tanks. <laughs> tanks. Yeah. And bro tanks. Yeah. Either way. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> well, let's get into it. Initial reaction about the show. Oh, man. Um, I had high hopes for this episode. I really did. It was the fourth episode. And like I kind of said in the last ep- or last podcast, uh, I thought there was going to be some high intensity action here. And we sh- certainly got that. But I've given this season nothing but a fair shot, unlike most of the public out there and a lot of the critics. And I've generally enjoyed a lot of this season up to this point. But this episode really let me down. Um, it, was, it was so slow from and so dry from start to finish until that final ten minutes, really, and um, which was fantastic action. But Frank's storyline was terrible. I thought we'll get more into that. Wasn't overly impressed with Bezzarides. Few bright stops from Valcora, as always. I thought Woodrow really had a bright episode. But overall, I feel like this plot is getting so muddled and clunky. What are your thoughts, Walker? Yeah, man, I'm on the same page with you. I thought it really could have been better. Uh, the same complaints with Frank and his wife. They have no on-screen chemistry so, whatsoever. It's yeah, so it, it's so flat. It's terrible. We'll get more into that during Frank's character segment. Yeah, but we will. But, you know, you made a really good point. We've given this such a fair shot. We have. Like, we've been yeah. optimistic. We really Arms have. wide open. He's a lot of us not, not killing it for us right now. This is, this, I felt this was kind of a make-or-break episode for Yeah, us. I really did enjoy the first three episodes. But I was hoping for something, some sort of turning point here. We kind of got that at the end, but just it didn't feel deserved. And I actually disagree with you. I think the action scene was questionable at best. So right, we'll, 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 ta- we'll tackle it at the end of the episode then. Yeah, but uh, overall, I feel like more and more elements keep getting added to this whole the whole yeah. murder mystery behind Casper. But none of them are really connecting. They're just a lot of loose ends, and I, I don't see how they're all going to really connect by the end of this. That's interesting. We're going to have to address that later. But uh, otherwise, yeah, overall, not my favorite episode. Neither at is. all. Well, that'll, that'll make this for a different, little bit of a different podcast, because we've, we've spent a lot of time praising the season, and now we can finally be a little more critical about it, huh? Yeah, I think so. Um, we'll see what that testosterone does. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Characters? Yeah, let's do it. Ray Valcora, our first guy here. Ray, what do you think about Ray? Detective, the state investigation's a shakedown. Do you understand? It's the attorney general with his fucking handout. Handout for what? What's a hand usually out for? 
Um, you know, you're really starting to see more of a transmission or a transformation, excuse me, of White Clover's character. We continue to see that in this episode. Um, the things he's able to accomplish sober are quite impressive <laughs> and <laughs> nuts, right? The guy goes sober and he's accomplished twice as much. Do you think that they would have solved the case by now if nobody drank? <laughs> Interesting question. It would be a one episode. It took, it took away all the substances. Would this just be like a two episode season? Like they all <laughs> they all actually do like legit police work and get yeah. this thing done? They wouldn't work out of a fucking warehouse for no reason. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> Anywho. I think, I think, again, i got to give a shout-out to Colin Farrell, because I think he plays his part so well. Um, you can just tell that he's operating with so much more clarity, and you can kind of see it in his face, let alone. And, um, you know, a couple of examples of that, he gives a little pump-up speech to Woodrow after his rough night. <laughs> um, he kind of lets Bezerides knows, knows what's up. Uh, he kind of tells Bezerides, this is a shake-up, this is what's going down. If you don't think you're going down with all of this, then get your head out of your ass, you know. Um, he's seeing this whole thing with the most perceptive perspective out of any other character and uh now he seems to be you know he's got the most clarity you know his, his character seems to have the least amount of baggage right now and you know that could make him capable of the most good wow hmm? yeah actually i have an interesting point because my i kind of what i thought about ray ties into this for me let's hear it he was absolutely the best performance of the episode i like colin farrell a lot in this role i think he's doing really well i was killing him i talked I, about it oh, go ahead. i would argue that woodrow had a great episode though too. yeah no i'll get to that and like i'm I'm, I'm big on Woodrow right now. No, I'm surprisingly. He has stocks up. His stocks are up. He's still not the best actor, I don't think. Sell high. Think. Sell high here, for sure. <laughs> Sell high. <laughs> not, a, not bad advice. <laughs> no, but for, for Ray, um, I talked about it last episode, but I like that he's really straightforward. He's an honest person, it seems like, um, in some capacities. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. my example for that And is, you saw more than honesty this yeah, week. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I, I was going to bring that up exactly when he's... In the car with Woodrow, that seemed really heartfelt to me. And he could be totally off base, admittedly. We don't know if he's a war hero, but yeah. know, he's speaking from what he thinks is correct, so that's good. No. And you kind of see some uh, some father characteristics come on. Yeah, or that actually, the, uh, that's... Sorry, I'm still... I love the man's speech. How do we do this? Unreal. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, I also enjoy Ray's transformation quite a bit. It does seem as though he's becoming a decent individual, so I have two instances... Examples of that. Uh, first, he refuses to become Frank's muscle. You know, mm-hmm. shows that he has too much dignity for that. Offers on the table, though. Yeah, uh, that is interesting. We'll see how yeah, that turns out in the future. And then also that conversation he has with Bezerides, um, mm-hmm. acknowledging in the open that Vinci is corrupt and yep. that the case probably isn't meant to be solved. Exactly. Um, so it shows that he is, you know, kind of getting in touch with his demons. I guess he's got the best head on his shoulders right now. Of all three detectives. But the question that I have for the audience and myself is will it last? My prediction, absolutely fucking not. <laughs> you saw that little scene in the intro from the next episode, or the preview, I should say, and it's um, his wife with what looks like a courtroom, and that's what's going to send Ray over the edge. Mark my words. I don't have a lot of hope for him in the next couple episodes. Really? Yeah. Really? So I think I think we both kind of think that Ray's going to go down eventually. Yeah, right? it's going to happen. Maybe yeah, he'll come back up at the end, but... Well, yeah, actually, I think he's going to get popped. I, love, <laughs> I like that prediction, you know, and uh, there might have been some foreshadowing there where um, uh, Frank tells Okoro uh, that sometimes your worst self is your best self. <laughs> Dude, so yeah. I, I, I literally think that, I think by the end of the season, I think we will get Valcora's worst self again, but I think in a sense, it will be his best self, because he's going to be doing something totally off the rail, but I think in the end, it's going to help the greatest amount of good. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying here? <laughs> you know what I'm laying down? 
Um, one more thing about Falcor before we hang it up here. How about that glove compartment of his? Dude, holy Pick shit. Pick your cure. <laughs> yeah, true. Although, I was unimpressed. Have you ever seen the inside of my glove compartment? Well, what's in it? A couple insurance cards? What are we working with? <laughs> yeah. I was going to try and name off some drugs today, but I'm not creative, nor do I know enough about drugs to actually compete with Ray Belcoro. Sorry, friends. Yeah, Woodrow chooses the Smirnoff? <laughs> yeah, for real. The Smirnoff. Oh. I thought I saw pills, I thought I saw weed, and we choose the Smirnoff. Paul Woodrow's kind of a basic bitch. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Not my first pick, <laughs> but anyway. Let's move on to Frank Semyon. I think we've got some uh, grievances to air here. I pay for fucking avocado trees, and now you tell me can't grow? Men can come, test the dirt. I thought one of you'd be able to taste it off your finger and tell me what's wrong. Frank, that's enough. I get fucking matters. Can't deal with this shit now. Oh my god. Frank <laughs> is such a bitch. <laughs> okay, so I talked about this in the last episode as well, and I said that I liked where Sam Young's character was going, how um, Pizzolatto's kind of exposing his inner self. That, that was an interesting transformation, but it went too far, Pizzolatto. I think that he has fallen off the rails with Frank, and now um, it's like Frank is a five-year-old. All he did, or all he did in this episode, was either yell at his wife mm-hmm. and complain about how stressed out he was, Typical. or act like a complete thug. Right. Acts with no subtlety whatsoever. <laughs> it's boring to watch. Like truly, I don't enjoy him intimidating like person after person. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. Keep going. Okay. Like. I mean, here's my problem with Frank right now, is that there's no, um, there's no cunning. He doesn't have anything going for him other than just raw intimidation. And I want to see something intelligent out of Pizzolatto when he's writing a criminal. I want to see Frank using his smarts to get things done rather than just telling someone that he's going to kill him if he doesn't give him 40%. What the fuck is that? 40%? Some kind of margin to live off of? Jesus Christ. <laughs> No, I, I totally agree with you. Every single scene of Frank's is basically the same. It's so disinteresting and dry. Every time yeah. it cuts to him, it's like, oh, this again. He goes somewhere. Tell somebody he's getting back into the biz. Tell me it's 40% of this, 40% of that. And then they tell him, hey, man, you left this business. You're not cut out for it anymore. Then he flexes <laughs> and, like, yeah. you know, puts the, the mad dog face on. <laughs> and then him and his wife literally have that same scene, like you said. But this week with the, the avocado tree, and he's like, don't talk to me now, baby. And the same thing as, like, last week at the clinic when I tried to have a kid. Like, I can't do this right now. I got so much stuff. Like, we, yeah, we, Frank, it's, it's obvious. Like, things are tough. Times you know aren't good. You know what kills me about that, too? That yeah. interaction with his wife? Sorry to interrupt you. No, go ahead. Okay. Thanks, man. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, he's got something interesting there. I think Pizzolatto has a platform for maybe bringing up a social inequality issue if he compares Frank's life with his child's life, like the life he wants to provide for his child, but instead it's just a fucking soap opera every time those two are on screen. It's it's terrible, just, man. Yeah, no. And not to say that I'm not greatly sympathetic for his character, seeing as he can't grow avocados on his real estate. <laughs> I mean, that's a total bummer. If I couldn't yeah. grow avocados out of my apartment, I don't know where I'd be today. <laughs> no Glock. That's for sure. <laughs> but, like, there's just, there's no real relevance of his storyline to, like, the main... Yeah. So they need to tie it in more with the main mystery. Like, I feel like, you know, Bezerides or Woodrow needs to figure out that his, you know, they need to figure out his connection to the murder yeah. and identify him as, like, some sort of suspect. You know, I want to see Frank in more of a situation like that, in a hostile situation, like, where he's being hunted by them, you know, instead of him just pussyfooting around with yeah. the lobsters. That's all you man. Well said. Well said. And one, one additional thing on Frank, what, what are we supposed to make of this operation with his wife that might make her incapable of having children? That was kind of alluded to. Yeah, that was uh, absolutely out of the blue, I think. It'll obviously be a problem, has been a problem. Like, 
I, I don't really understand what his that speech that he gave on having kids, how it's he's not gonna take on someone else's grief. What is that? Uh, um, didn't make Jesus Christ, Frank. I yeah. I don't I don't it's it's uninteresting to me and it's unappealing. I I just don't really yeah. care. Hopefully, like I said though, they need to needs to tie him more with the three other main characters and give us more development there. I totally agree, man. Is that it for Frank? That's it. Alright. Anna Annie Bezard. Actually, sorry, we've been pronouncing that wrong. It's Anna. Anna yeah, yeah, we really have no apologies. Up, yeah, our best. But anyway, on to Annie Bezaridis. Mm-hmm. It's called coercion. You attended the seminar. Is this for real? You do realize they're all giving Mercer high fives out there, right? What I do outside work. This isn't outside work. This is an IA complaint. You know, this is another week where I really don't have a, a whole lot more to say about Bezaridis. Hopefully you can carry a team on this one. Um, but other than, other than the fact that I feel like she's just become more and more of like a one-dimensional character, I just I want to see more vulnerability out of her. I'm, I'm just seeing like a lot of tough guy business, and uh, we see, we've seen vulnerability out of every other character. I, I just want more of a moment out of Bezaridis, you know? Yeah. We, we're getting the same things with her father and her sister, and all that stuff is just kind of the same and played out. I... I I just want something more in depth out of her character, something more real. Yeah. Um, okay. First, I'd like to say that I think Rachel McAdams is doing a good job. Oh, she's she's acting well. I yeah. just think Pizzolatto didn't write a character particularly well. Mm-hmm. So but I think we're starting to see here how when Pizzolatto has to do four characters, I think it's just yeah. a lot for him to write. That was a really good point you made. It's really tough. Like I think you can you can nail two characters and you can really make them in depth with Rust and Marty. When you take on these four characters, that's just think about doing it yourself. Creating four complex characters. Yeah. Anyway, continue. But I totally agree with the point you just made. I don't think your character progressed whatsoever this episode. So that sexual, uh, not sexual tension, but oh yeah, we'll call it sexual tension. Mm -hmm. But anyway, like the tension between her private life and what she's comfortable with sex in public. no explanation on that whatsoever, so we don't don't know what's going on there at all. Um, and then, other than that, uh, kind of weird how they brought up gambling debts. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, they brought that up. That, oh, she should probably settle those. Right, like we saw her walk out of the casino one time. Like, yeah. was, uh, uh, it's minor, but anyway, I was mm-hmm. not super happy about that. I guess, but uh, man, this is yeah. There's just not much progression at all. Like, I wish I had more to say. Yeah, like I said, this is kind of my second week without having a whole lot to say about her. I, I just kind of want to see, now that she's kind of uh, on departmental leave and that she's yeah. just kind of on this case, I just want to see her go rogue a little bit, gamble, slay shit, solve this freaking case, I don't know. <laughs> slay shit. Hey, the one redeeming thing I had for Bessa Reedy's in this episode was that conversation she has with the mayor's daughter. Uh, I think it was an allegory into her life as a child. So yeah, got a little glimpse. Yeah, you know, she kind of got an idea of what she's dealing with psychologically. But uh, my complaint, actually, with that scene, though, is at the end of it, she kind of takes a moment for silent reflection, and I don't think that's very in character for her. I think she would be the type of person who would just stone-faced and not yeah. let her let people know that it got to her, so... Even that wasn't necessarily well written, but it was a good idea. Yeah, I love how that scene ends up at a hookah bar too. Like they just follow <laughs> the <Yeah>. daughter, <laughs> and she just ends up in a hookah bar by herself. Classic, uh, whatever. Cool though, cool, right? Yeah. All right, on to Paul Woodrow, who we've you know we've, we've kind of trashed episodes one and two, but we've really started to come on to this kid episode three and four. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. I did uh, everything they said, man. Army, PD. It doesn't matter. You do what they say, it doesn't matter. 
Um, I thought it was a strong performance out of Woodrow. Um, as we just played, that was my favorite scene when he loses after his motorcycle gets stolen. And I thought I thought he was convincing this episode. I thought he actually oh, no, really, definitely, he really definitely his it. performance is really strong. Um, and like I, Brady actually brought this up to me, so maybe I should make this point. But he was talking about that very end scene. Mm-hmm. Like that's still how Belcoro and Rachel McAdams are. Sorry, Ani are in shock. Mm-hmm. And Paul is completely stone-faced, which is great acting. Makes total sense for his character yeah. because he's seen combat before. He's in a world he understands. Yes, yeah, so it's detail like that. Just, uh, mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That was a really elegant way to say that. Good. Well done. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, obviously a lot going on for Woodrow. Um, I think that he's going to have to confront his sexuality very soon because, as you can see, he already feels trapped. He gives that little speech to Valcoro um, about how he's been doing what they say, what mm-hmm. they tell him to do all the time, so it's very obvious that he's feeling boxed in, and then he boxes himself in more when he proposes to his fiance. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm really happy for him and his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they're just two, two crazy kids in love, <laughs> they're and, and they really deserve this child, to be honest. Yeah, you know? You love to see that. Oh, ladies, he's kind of gay. All right, okay, maybe <laughs> never mind. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, I think so... Woodrow has gotten interesting for me. I like the turn that his character has taken. And I think that in the coming episodes, it'll be all about him confronting his sexuality. Like, yeah, I think I think we kind of misunderestimated, uh, you know, Taylor Kitsch. He's really started bringing on. This was a really good episode from him, definitely. Um, yeah, it, it was. you get the preview from next week, and you see that he's talking to his mom, and his, his mom uh, apparently knows his secret that he, you know, he's kind of in the closet, so... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all works itself out with his now fiance and his Black Mountain lover. Who knows? Oh, yeah. What do you think is going to happen with Black Mountain, by the way? That yeah, was those the allegations. Yeah, that's right. right. The scene was kind of... Yeah, it was kind of left field where you just kind of walk in and all of a sudden right. it's getting... Yeah. I, I didn't understand how that connected to the story as a whole. I just... Yeah. Okay. I, it just seems like a sideline. I don't know. It'll be interesting about So, yeah, I guess he's got two elements looking for. <laughs> yeah, he's got a couple... Of, I don't, I don't know what they'll make out of Black Mountain. I can't see where that could really go, to be honest. Mm. Other than that, he'll just get more and more exposed, and that'll just make it more hard on him. You know, like you mentioned, that his face is going to be everywhere in Valcoro. Right. And mm-hmm. but moving on, you wanted to talk about the final scene? Let's tackle that final scene, huh? Yeah, what do you got for it? Yeah, let me just start by saying um, Martin's going to be kind of on the contrary here, it seems. But I thought it was a sweet scene. Cool scene. Fun to watch. Um, after m- making us sit through like 45 minutes of molasses... It was nice to finally get rewarded with like a little pure action, um, sweet sequence. It was it was really cool. It was shot extremely well, easy to watch, extremely suspenseful. Especially that last part where they're kind of um, playing uh, peekaboo around that bus. Yeah. I thought that was really sweet. Um, and it, it was ten minutes long, and it really felt like five minutes to be honest. But with that being said, did that scene like even really make any sense? I'll give you a second here. With that being said, did that scene like really even make any sense? I mean, what terrible police work, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're going to take yeah. a tip from the biggest burnout of the group, as Velcoro's partner that kind of figures that all out, and just run with it on a win? Yeah. I understand the urgency and why you know you want to scout property bef- a bit beforehand. I mean, it looks like he, they had the, the burnout kind of there, like scouting a bit. But a little more recon never hurt anybody. I mean, is it that urgent? <laughs> <laughs> At the very least... Maybe vacate the adjacent protest going on next door yeah. where a bunch of civilians are just sitting like sitting ducks, you know? Okay, but I'm the real dude. I'm about to catch a body. It's time to go. <laughs> All right? 
Okay, now I understand. Now it makes so much more sense. <laughs> it's time to go. No, I there, was just, there was just no, like, there was... Uh, they didn't... <laughs> there was no precautionaries taken, like... And then it was kind of all too convenient for a, a protest to be taking place next door when Vinci's right. like a city of 90 people, but... Yeah, that's a good point. And it, like, did 10 civilians of... <laughs> did, like, 11% of Vinci's population go down in that <laughs> firefight? No, that's true. Um, you, I think you kind of brought up my problem with the action scene. Yeah, it was, like... It was engaging, obviously. Every time guns are going off, I'm a sucker for that sort of thing. <laughs> true. Um, but I didn't think it was very realistic. Um... Why did the gangsters feel the need to kill like a hundred people? Yeah, what are they, what are they protecting? Like, what what's the motive for those guys yeah. to like shoot up with just shoot up the cops with an AK forty seven and then just take off down an alley and like start killing civilians? Get like, out of there! Like we okay, this guy. It's obvious that this little guy isn't the killer, right? right? That should be that should be pretty clear to everybody. He's just a stupid crackhead or whatever, you know. Like this killer is cold blooded. He's calculated and he's a serial killer. Like yeah. he's, he's not just some guy that's. But, okay, the main reason I didn't like it is I'm holding it to the standard of Russ when he goes undercover with Ginger in season one. And what I loved about that scene is that the real time spent actually uh, shooting, mm-hmm. I thought was far less, and it was all about the suspense. So you knew it was going to happen, but it was just mm-hmm. a question of when. And when that violence did occur, it was really like sudden and brief. Mm-hmm. And with this one, I thought it was way too much in your face, way too overt, and I just don't think that fits with the characters or the characteristics of True Detective that I like. Yeah, that was my problem. It was just, just kind of like, and all three of those, are like all like three True Detectives are the only ones that are left standing after all the bloodshed, yeah. you know? Like I can get that kind of scene in almost any action movie. What I, I like, yeah. I come to see the really suspenseful, subtle action of True Detective. Mm-hmm. But I just, I just didn't think overall. I just didn't feel like the scene was really that deserved. I felt like their lead on that Leto guy was so yeah, shallow too. Totally like the, the motive behind it was he was hanging with Casper. He got a taste of the lifestyle, and he, he so he called for you know he killed him for his money. Except for the fact that like the way he was killed, you know, yeah, like Casper is yeah, you know, it is way too way too obvious. You know, you think some pimp did that? Shot his nuts off? No, he's a pimp. Yeah, it's the serial killer that did that, and all those guys are too smart for that. Reedy's Valcora, what uh, everybody in that room should know better than that. That, that. That's not the guy, yeah, yeah. I don't know, and but it, what's interesting moving forward here is it's, it was Bezzarini's call, you know, it was, it's going to be her ass on the line because she decided not to wait for the tactical squad and just to go in for it. Mm, that's interesting. So there yeah. could be some major fallout for her, and she's already facing how many impending things. This is killing me, man. I see, friends, this, uh, this, this podcast it's not a happy, happy occurrence for us. Really down on the show right now. Yeah, it's, really hoping we, we want to love this thing. Yeah, we, we want to have some fun here. We want to love this God thing. Damn. We're trying so hard, but this. I mean, but you know what's interesting is that the season will probably go in a little bit of a different direction now. Yeah. So now we. So the so so thing could pick up here. You know, um, it's they better pick up. This is kind of like the Reggie Ledoux last season, where this Ledoux guy will probably most likely get wrongfully pinned for the murder because it's all too convenient for the city of Vinci and for right. everybody involved. And payouts going to be easy. Um, so I think I feel as Velcora, Woodrow, and Bezridis will probably all have to solve this thing in some sort of private investigation of some sort off the books, similar to season one, maybe too similar. But you know, I probably don't mind too much if executed properly. It could really work and it could really be a compelling storyline. All right. Well, we've obviously aired all the grievances that there are to air about. Yeah. Let's exactly. Anyway, let's get on to this. Yeah, we'll move on. We'll move on.
Time for a little K segment, if you will. <laughs> Let's get it going. Um, you know, I'll start us off here. Woodrow. K. You have a one-night stand with your ex-lover from Brokeback Mountain. Excuse me. Black Mountain. <laughs> and you don't even... You don't even stick around for pillow talk? <laughs> In the morning? Okay. Oh, that's just... True. That's just common manners. Yeah. Whatever happened to a little coffee in the morning? Yeah. I totally agree, man. It's a Miguel reference, but what? Hey, man. It's <laughs> a Miguel reference. You DVR the game, bro. Have some waffles. Katie and I really like pillow talk. Oh. We love it. Unparalleled. Take us away, Martin. What do you got? All right. Um, not going to specify again in this episode. Literally any conversation between Frank and his wife. Hey, Frankie. We get it. You're fucking stressed. <laughs> Relax, buddy. You're literally acting like a goddamn five-year-old. Like, every single conversation you have with your wife, do you understand how much pressure I'm under? <laughs> yeah, she probably fucking gets it by now, buddy. Okay. Maybe, maybe not have her, like, on, like, your back, like, 24 hours a day. Maybe yeah. that would help a little bit. For real. Like, like hey, why don't we not alienate the one person who gives a shit? Yeah. The one person. <laughs> God. The one person that's actually supporting you, Frank. The one, the one person on your team. Add it up to here, Frank. Oh. To here. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Bringing back the melodrama segment this week. I'll get us started here. This is a little... <laughs> we're going back to Frankie again. Our boy Semyon. Um, one of those classic interactions. One of our favorite <laughs> scenes from the episode again where he's, you know, interacting with mobsters. Um, <laughs> Martin's going to give me a little bit of an assist here. I'm going to have a little too much fun doing this one. Here we go. All oh, that sugar. A wonder you haven't lost your teeth. Dental work's expensive, Frank. It's the only way I can keep your coffee down. I never lost a tooth. Never even had a fucking cavity. <laughs> yeah, that's that's real dialogue, folks. Yeah, that's real dialogue. That's good. Like that. That's good to know, though. Just like you know, in an in-depth character thing, like Frank gets to the dentist twice a year. Every yeah. six months, that's for sure. What's the last time you had a clean? Probably flosses daily too. <laughs> And that's, that's a really admirable characteristic, because, you know, <laughs> admirable, sorry. No, um, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> All right, um, for my melodrama statement, I'm actually going to go out Johnny a little bit. Yeah. Uh, this is pretty cheap. Someone's got that. This is, uh, well, this, I'll do the line. You know what it is. Those moments, they stare back at you. You don't remember them. They remember you. <laughs> Was on. Yeah, clearly. Oh, <laughs> Those moments to remember you. I don't even have anything to say about it. I'm just I, okay. I don't know if I have any moments like that. I don't, I don't know. If I'm <laughs> <that>. I just, <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? I don't know. How does that? So overdone. Like there's an, uh, that's luck. bad. That's bad writing. Good luck. So all right. So so what? Time for a few questions. I'm gonna I'm gonna bat us off here. Uh, Martin. Do you think Valcoro Bezzarides will score an invite to Paul's wedding when this is all said and done? Huh? Oh, man. I'm not optimistic, man. Woodrow <laughs> seems like he keeps a tight loop. That's all I have to say. Actually, no, fuck that. You know, he's probably the most open character on the show. The guy knows himself. He knows his words. <laughs> he really does. He really does. I bet I'll give an invite to Paul's wedding. You think? I thought you'll get an invite to Paul's wedding. Oh, I would hope. That's a damn certainty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. I don't know. I just hope they go through with it, you know. I'm rooting for them. Yeah, but yeah. just like I said, two kids, crazy well, in love. You love to see Give that. them a chance. Who cares? Absolutely. All right, I got a little... I mean, this, is, this is serious, but this is yeah. serious as it gets. I feel like I'm getting hit here. No, like, 
You're about to determine, in many ways, the future of our podcast. Give it to me. Do you think we're going to come back from this episode? (laughs) (laughs) Give it to me straight. (laughs) Give it to me straight, Doc. So that's a good question. Um, you know, it's, to be to be perfectly honest, I, uh, oh I I've lost the, <laughs> oh god I've lost a lot of hope in the series after this episode. Um, Brady, don't do it. I'm gonna keep watching regardless. It doesn't matter. Um, and I think there's gonna be some bright spots, but I think in the end, I think we might be generally a little disappointed. And it's not even because we're comparing it to season one. Uh, like I just kind of mentioned earlier, I just feel like these four characters were just. That's just a lot to develop in an eight-season or an eight-episode season, and I think Pizzolatto really took on a lot here, and I think he's executed some of it really well. But like uh, as we pointed out, some of it just really isn't working, um, and I feel like he's probably rushed to write this thing too. You know, he probably had, let, he had like a year to write this, and he didn't really take on a whole lot of help, which in hindsight probably wasn't the best idea. Um, no, but I think there'll be some elements that we really dig, but I think there'll be just some huge holes too that will just be kind of. Left like what like 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 I said before too. There's just like a lot of different elements emerging about this Casper murder mystery, and just don't see how any of them are connecting. You know, like with the blue diamonds. You have all the prostitutes. You have those many of those uh, those sites with the mine runoff. It, I, I just, I hopefully Pizzolatto shocks us and finds a way to tie it all together with a nice bow. But uh, it's eerie. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Please don't do it. Let's go in, then we all go through it. Yeah, Drizzy said it best. Yeah, let's just go. hope for the best. Let's just come on. We're rooting for the series. Yeah, like we said, really, we yeah. really wanted to. Like this was this was a hard episode to do. I don't want. To, I don't want to speak poorly of this series. We love True no. Detectives. I just we need to the, the dry Frank scenes. We need to cut those and just some of the dry dialogue. Just get rid of it. Give us. Yeah. Give us some more meaningful stuff. And I think, you know, now, like I said, the series has taken a little bit of a different direction. I think we're going to get some of that. All right, uh, final thoughts before we wrap things up here. Do we make anything, this is like one of those elements of the murder mystery, do we make anything of the coincidence of Ani's father knowing Chizani back in the day through the retreat? Yeah. Do you think that bears any, like, relevance? Or do you think Pizzolatto just threw that in so that Ani and Velcro could do, go talk to her dad for another time? No, I think, uh, we spent too much, I think we spent too much time on the... Um, psychiatrist thing for it not to be relevant. I think that's got to tie in somehow. I just don't see, like... That's true, that's totally true, but, like... That's what I'm saying, like, there's all these elements that we're just kind of like, well, what's this and what's that? And hopefully Pizzolatto has an ace up his sleeve where all this stuff ties together nicely. Yeah, so I, maybe he's just taking too long to develop it. Maybe that was an error in judgment. Um, mm-hmm. And then we'll... But that'd be fantastic. That'd be phenomenal, because then the rest of the series would be great. And all my dreams would be coming true. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my only ambitions. I just want True Detective to be good. Pass that. Yeah, that's what the summer of 2015 is all about. If True Detective isn't any good, then it's a wash. Yeah. For all of us. I haven't really done anything else. Nope. Nothing. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> what, do we, what do we make of this quote here, Walker? I wrote this one down. You have one of the largest horrors I've ever seen. Green and black. It's been taking up this whole room. Oh. That was Ani's father to Ray. Yeah, that was pretty serious business. Um, <laughs> that guy's definitely not a fucking idiot. That's all I can say there. Um, I mean, every time someone comments on my aura, I just take it really seriously. Green and black. <laughs> <laughs> Green and black, that sounds ominous. <laughs> Doesn't sound great. No. I like blue. White. That's my colors. I'm, yeah, I feel a very white, pure. Yeah. I'm getting a lot of that from you. A little blue. Yeah. Here. What are you seeing off me right now, man? Goddamn angel. You're like, 
virgin mother of God. Can we have a moment, folks? Yeah. <laughs> Things just got real at True Enough Studio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the last thing, did you have anything you wanted to address here? Dude, I don't even... See, I don't have anything other than please make the show better, Nick. <laughs> That's all I Stay positive, man. We you just don't know. Like, I feel like, you know, P's a lot of a really smart man, so I feel like a lot of this stuff's going to tie together where we'd be sitting here like, oh, you know. The last thing I'd written down was the mine run off. We had that whole scene where Adi and um, Velcora visited that, uh, with that kind of the consultant guy that kind of knew the land out there. And what if, for whatever reason, what struck, stuck out to me when I was kind of running through the episode the second time is the guy kind of takes out a map. And he kind of circles the sites. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, it's, it's weird because it seems like he kind of just circles these three random places on this map. I totally got the same feeling. And it kind of makes like a yeah, it kind of makes like a triangle, like some sort of face or something. And uh, it, I, I don't know. Like, man. I feel like that's gonna come back. I'm not insightful enough to be like, whoa, that. What did you do there? That's that's the secret. But whoa, game changer. <laughs> but I feel like. That bears some sort of, you know, relevance. I totally agree with you. I don't know how either, but... Something to keep in mind. Folks, cross your fingers for episode five. You know, we'll be doing it. Um, and hopefully we get this thing up on iTunes. I'm going to throw that out there now. Pressure, Put the pressure on ourselves. I'm probably going to post it on Reddit. Because <laughs> I love it. I say, hey, we're probably going to try to launch a Twitter account here, too. So, if yeah. you'd like a follow, we'll, we'll gladly give you a follow. Whatever. You ain't got no worries. Yeah, I mean, or you could just... And follow us, dude. Yeah, that would right. be the optimal way to go about this, dude. Chill. Shoot, <laughs> maybe we'll bring that back next time. I, I feel like that, that segment's gonna make a return at some point. That's, that's good. It's, it's a good one. It's All a right. good one. All right, I'm Brady Becker. I'm Martin Walker, and this was True Enough. See you next week. <laughs>